Welcome to the Strength and Dignity Podcast, where we discuss Christian lifestyle, scripture, biblical concepts, and hear testimonies from various guests. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor, and I hope you find encouragement, solid teaching, and thought-provoking concepts here. We're entering into a new series called Christian Lifestyle. This is a series where we discuss practical tips, biblical commands, and various teachings throughout scripture that can be applicable to anybody. Before we dive in, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a future podcast. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Strength and Dignity podcast. I'm excited to bring today's episode to you guys, something that I learned from Tim Keller recently about leadership. And it has to do with two stories about Moses in Exodus 17 and in Numbers 20. If you're familiar with these stories, then you'll know that these are the two times that Moses brings water out of a rock by the commandment of the Lord. But they're very different. While they might sound similar, um, God tells Moses to bring water out of a rock. They're actually very different because the outcome is vastly different. And Moses is punished extremely for what happens in the second instance in in Numbers 20. Excuse me. So I'm really excited to dive into this today because I was really, really curious um, why Moses received such a harsh punishment. So I did a little scouring. I read some Tim Keller blog posts and some other parts of scripture. And what I learned was just mind blowing. And it has a lot to do, I think, and the implication in our lives with leadership. So I'm really excited to tell you guys this today. So um, if you want to follow along with me, the scriptures I'm going to be reading from, like I said, are Exodus 17, um, Numbers 20, and also a little bit from Matthew 5. Um, And at the end, I'm going to talk about a few leadership points that I learned from this story. But to back up a little bit, the reason that I got really interested in this instance um, and in in this story of Moses and the Rock is because of this song called I Don't Want to Go. It's a worship song, and it was really, really getting to my heart. Um, I was just listening to it on repeat, and there's one of these phrases that says, like Moses in the desert, I want to see your land, but like Moses in the desert, um, I can't fully see your plan. And then I think it continues, um, still your love never stops when I see the land from a mountaintop. And it was really, I don't know how to explain it. It was really getting to me because... Um, I knew that Moses was not permitted to go into the promised land. He goes through all of this. If you're familiar with the story of Exodus, he um, is God's vessel through which he frees all of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He wanders with them after the disobedience for 40 years in the desert. And he goes up onto Mount Sinai and has these amazing encounters with the Lord. And because in Numbers 20, he hits a rock instead of speaking to it, God says, your punishment is that you're never going to see the promised land. And that has always seemed like such an excuse excruciating punishment. Like why did he receive such a harsh punishment for what seems like so small of a crime? And so when I was listening to these song lyrics, if you guys know me, you know that, um, I have a huge heart for Israel. And so I all of a sudden was relating to Moses in this moment of like eagerly desiring to see the land of the Lord. And um, he's not permitted to. And it was really hurting me because I was thinking like, what if one day I'm not allowed to go back? What if something happens and I'm no longer allowed to enter the land of the Lord? And I was, I instantly started crying. It was like, oh my gosh, I hope that day never comes. I know that it is very possible and that it might come just because of the state of the world. Things could change at any moment. Um, But I really was like, he never got to see it once. I've been there before, but he never got to see it once. And um, so that's really what started getting me interested in this story. So a brief overview 
is that in Exodus 17, if you want to go through and read it, um, the people are thirsty. God says, okay, you can get water from this rock. Moses, I want you to hit the rock and then water's going to come out. So Moses hits the rock and water comes out. Um, fast forward to Numbers 20, the people again are thirsty and God says, I want you to speak to the rock. And instead Moses hits it, water still comes out. And as we discussed, his punishment was no longer being able to see the promised land. But there's a few um, small things in, in here that are actually really important to point out. So I'm going to go ahead and read that whole passage. It's actually pretty short. So in Numbers 20, we read... Um, it, the actual striking of the rock starts in verse 10, but I want to go before that because this is when the people are complaining that they're thirsty and Moses and Aaron both go into, um, it says, then Moses and Aaron, starting in verse six, went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them, which first of all, I mean, how amazing is that? Like the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Um, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water so that you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took this staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, here now you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice and water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And it doesn't give any explanation. It just goes into, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Be because you did not believe in me and up to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Mirabah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them, he showed himself holy. So the first time that I read this, I thought maybe Moses' sin was disobedience, right? Like, okay, so God told him to speak to it and instead he hid it. But like, didn't they disobey God a lot in the wilderness? And, you know, they disobeyed God many times. And one of their punishments was wandering in the desert for 40 years. He wanted the entire generation to die off. They, he didn't let them see the promised land. He wanted the next generation to see the promised land. But Moses made it through all of that. He, he could have gone into the promised land. And so it was just mind boggling to me that um, he had like an individual punishment for Moses for it, what seems to be disobedience. So I'm kind of confused at this point. And um, so I Googled it, did a good old Google search and found a blog post from Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors. And he just has a few amazing key points on this passage that were mind blowing to me. So of course, he, he disobeyed the rock instead of hitting it. But he also references Matthew 5, starting in verse 22. Um, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Sounds a little bit unrelated. But he references the section where, in verse 10, Moses tells the people right before he hits the rock, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And that was one of the key moments that's very easy to just brush over. But what Tim Keller wrote about was when he says, you rebels, is similar to when in Matthew 5, he's saying, you fool, which is setting yourself up as somebody else's judge. So in saying, telling, calling the people rebels, he sets himself up as their judge. Okay, so that's point number one. And then in saying, must we bring you water out of this rock? He sets himself up as the deliverer. 
And I I never read into this. Maybe you read it and maybe that was obvious to you, but I did not get that until it was pointed out and it's very obvious now. Must we bring water for you? And it says, even when God is giving him the punishment, he said, because you did not uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Moses was setting himself up as a deliverer of the people of Israel and not God. In that whole sentence, he wasn't like, all right, now our holy God, even though you're mad at him, he's going to bring us water out of this rock. He said he's mad at them. And so he's clearly angry and he says, you're, you're rebels. He's judging them. And then he says, I'm going to bring you water because you're complaining. And then he hits the rock twice instead of talking to it. And, um, okay. So it's just very interesting. If you want to look up this blog post, he, Tim Keller has so many different angles, um, that he hits in this blog post. It's called speaking with contempt. So I urge you to Google it and read the whole thing yourself because he has a lot of different points in here. But one of the most key points about the heart, because this is, I mean, this does show us that Moses was judging the people and then set himself up as their deliverer. But these are simply symptoms of something that was going on in his heart. And that is a hardening of his heart towards the people. And what Tim Keller wrote is that he had become full of wrath with no compassion. And if you're familiar with even the, even quote unquote, the God of the Old Testament, sure, he is full of wrath many times, but he's also incredibly full of compassion. And so Keller writes that in doing so, he becomes less like God and not more. And I feel like that was one of the key moments that Moses was was not adequately portraying the leadership that God has in both wrath and compassion. It's okay to be angry at the people that you're leading as long as you also have compassion on them. But because he was not, he was becoming less like God and not more. And so I thought that was a fascinating point Um, And the phrase that stuck out to me is that Moses is a man who has forgotten grace. He's a man who has forgotten grace. And as people that live on this side of the cross, it is imperative that we never forget grace because it has been bestowed upon us abundantly. And we have a picture of grace in Jesus, which Moses didn't have. And so we have even less of an excuse to forget grace than Moses did. I mean, he got to see God very, very close in the tent of meeting and on Mount Sinai, but we still have um, the picture of grace in Jesus Christ himself. And so it's super important for us to not forget that. Um, Okay, so I want to address one more thing before I go into the points about leadership. And um, this is going to be a direct quote from the blog post. So he starts to reference, but what about Exodus 17? Why is it okay for him to hit the rock in Exodus 17, but not here? Why does God tell him to hit the rock once and he doesn't tell him to hit it again? So Um, This is a direct quote from the blog post by Keller. This is what leaders face. Is there any hope for us? Yes, because we are in a better position than Moses was for understanding the grace of God. Don Carson writes, in light of 1 Corinthians 10.4, which shows Christ to be the antitype of the rock, which I forgot to tell you guys in 1 Corinthians 10, it clearly states that Christ, the rock is representing Christ. The rock that Moses struck represents Christ. Um, which I don't think you would immediately get by reading this passage if it wasn't restated, if it wasn't stated in the New Testament that that is what the rock was representing. So I think that that is very important. So in light of 1 Corinthians 10.4, which shows Christ to be the antitype of the rock, it is hard to resist the conclusion that the reason God had insisted the rock be struck in Exodus 17 and forbids it here is that he perceives a wonderful opportunity to make a symbol-laden point. The ultimate rock from whom life-giving streams flow is struck once and no more. 
What a poetic way to put that. I'm going to read that last part just one more time. He perceives a wonderful opportunity to make a symbol-laden point. The ultimate rock from whom life-giving streams flow is struck once and no more. I just thought that gave me shivers the first time and I started crying and now it's giving me shivers again. So I just thought it was so crazy. Like if, if Christ really represents the rock in both scenarios, then God wanted, it was the Lord's will. I think in um, Isaiah, 20, Isaiah 53, it says that it was the Lord's will that Jesus die for us. It's the Lord's will that the rock was struck once, but that is it. He does not want the rock to be struck more than once. He wants you to speak to the rock. And I just found that to be just such a poetic symbol of grace and like Don Carson and Tim Keller right we are in the best position more better than Moses to perceive the abundant grace of God in the form of Jesus so into our application section how does this apply to us today let me switch my notes here um so I after I read that I was just meditating on it for days and I wrote um, kind of seven points on things that this teaches me about leadership. So maybe this would help you if even if you're not I just want to um, mention this point, even if you're not technically in a position of leadership, like at work or at church or at, in the family or anything like that. I think that this is important, even in just being an example of Christ, you are a leader in that way. And so this is still, this could still apply to you. So number one, obey God. I think that that's a given, but I also think that some of us take that for granted and we don't really think, we don't think about it as much as we should, how much obedience is treasured by God. And so obviously one of the things that Moses did wrong here is he disobeyed God. He hit the rock instead of spoke to it. So number one, obey God. Number two, set up God as the people's judge, not yourself. This is something I have to remind myself every day. The word judgment is really hard for me to wrap my mind around because I think that it can be taken or used in lots of different scenarios. So in this scenario, what I'm talking about is as if you are a judge proclaiming a sentence over people or proclaiming a judgment over the character. Like Moses said, you rebels. And like in Matthew five, it says not to call, like don't say you fool because then you belong to the, the fire of hell or whatever. I mean, that's a pretty serious judgment for Catholic casting um, a judgment on someone else. So make sure that you're setting up God as the people's judge and not yourself. And so I think it's really important that even if you find it necessary to bring someone's faults to their attention, it is always done, first of all, with grace, but second of all, in accordance with scripture. So take that as you will, apply that to your life as you will, but I think we can clearly see that it's important to not set yourself up as somebody else's judge. Okay, point number three, remind yourself and those following you that Jesus is their deliverer and not you. This can be really hard to portray adequately, especially on social media, when um, people can look up to other people so easily. It is so easily to accidentally idolize other people, even other believers, like, oh, wow, they're such an amazing Christian. And then all of a sudden you're putting them and their actions and their beliefs above scripture and Jesus himself. So that's something to always be reminding yourself and your followers of that Jesus is their deliverer and not you. Number four, be sensitive to the grace of God and do all you can to honor it. Grace is something that I have a hard time with, but I've learned about grace in lots of different, very impactful ways, um, ways that I can't forget. It's seared into my brain and either ways that I've been forced to have grace on someone else, or I've had the opportunity to have grace on someone else, or I have received grace myself. And it's 
always one of the most moving circumstances and um, some a lesson that's very hard to forget. So be sensitive to the grace of God. When does he want you to show grace on someone else? When can you, con- how can you constantly remind yourself that God has had grace on you? Therefore, you should have grace on somebody else, even when it seems like they don't deserve it. Number five, be full of compassion towards those who follow you. So when Keller pointed out that Moses became um, someone who has forgotten grace and someone who is full of wrath but lacks compassion, I'm just reminded of the multiple times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when it says, and then Jesus had compassion. I don't know. I would love to do a study and count how many times it said that Jesus had compassion, but it's so many times. And it's always so moving. Like even even the ways like um, the rich young ruler when he was being pretty arrogant and saying, I've followed all these commandments, blah, blah, blah. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I've always found that so fascinating because it's hard for me to put compassion first, but it wasn't hard for Jesus and it was something he was constantly doing. Number six, resist pride and surround yourself with those who humble you. It seemed like both both Moses and Aaron were having a problem in this, um, in this area. I'm not actually sure. It seems like God was um, proclaiming this yeah, then God, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, so they were both, um, they both weren't allowed to enter the promised land. So it seemed like people that Moses was also in leadership with um, weren't able to correct him this way. And I know that it's might be impossible to always have people in place that are always able to see your faults and correct you, but it's important to make an active step towards that, making sure that the people that surround you, either in leadership or that follow you, can see the areas that you are lacking in and are not afraid to call you out, and that your response to that is one of humility. And that can be so hard, you guys. Resisting pride is one of the hardest, hardest things that all people struggle with. Um, Okay, final point, number seven, Christ is your rock. He was already struck for your sake. It is now your job and gift to speak to him. And I think that when the Lord asks to walk with us, to have relationship with us, for us to love him about like with all our hearts, minds, and souls, this is one of the ways in which we do that, that Jesus was already struck. We don't have to, like, I think sometimes we think we don't deserve it and we punish ourselves more or we're resistant to the grace of God. But that's basically telling Jesus, hey, what you did, you know that terrible like death that you died for me, that's not enough. I have to punish myself further. And God's like, no, no, no. He was already struck for your sake. The victory already happened. You don't, all you have to do is talk to me now. Like I've, I've ripped the curtain. I have torn the curtain in two. It is now your job, but also your privilege and your gift to talk to me, to walk into, to enter into the Holy of Holies without anything blocking you. How amazing is it that living on this side of the cross, that is our our gift and opportunity as followers of Jesus to walk straight through where that curtain once was and sit in his presence as if we're sitting right next to him. I mean, I just think that that's, that's amazing. We're, we get to be like Moses and Aaron when they walk into the tent of meeting and the presence of the Lord completely surrounds us. We have the opportunity to do that wherever we are. And so it's important to remind ourselves that Christ is your rock. He was already struck and now you get to speak to him. Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a rating and review. That would help us out a lot with the algorithm so we can reach more people looking for encouragement in their faith journey. Hope you tune in next time.